This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. SportsRag.com podcast. My name is Jeff Moss. Uh, before we get into the program, I'd like to tell you that the Detroit Sports Rag and this show are both sponsored by CaliTickets.com. Uh, later in the show, we are going to give away a pair of Tiger tickets to tomorrow's Detroit Tiger Toronto Blue Jay uh, afternoon game. We'll give away those after probably. Uh, the second break, maybe around 6 o'clock, so keep tuned in for that. If you uh, are interested in any tickets this summer, whether it be uh, Florence and the Machine, this Saturday at Pine Knob, or Guns N' Roses at Ford Field, any Tigers games, uh, Prophets of Rage, uh, led by the... All the members of Rage Against the Machine, except for uh, Zach, uh, joined by Public Enemies Chuck D and Cypress Hills Be Real. That was announced this week, September 1st at DTE Pine Knob, whatever you want to call it. Call CaliTickets.com, 877-225-8425. That's 877-225-8425. And I am joined by uh, my co-host who walked in. To the building while the intro show song was going, so we had plenty of show prep. Uh, j- strike number seven against Jasper Apollonia as he's trying to prove to the Detroit sports media that he is a worthy uh, entity. If if I was trying to de- prove to the Detroit sports media that I was a worthy entity of being on their who told airwaves, you you could talk I Benji Brown? I wouldn't be here. Okay, so what's the excuse today? What's the excuse? There's no excuse. I'm here on time. No, 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 no. <laughs> on time is between 4.30 and 4.40 to go over what we're going to discuss. On time is Walking on Walking in at 5.01 as Serge Tankian is asking, is talking about being on the radio. Which we both Is not on aren't. time. Jessica, uh, am I wrong? No, you're right. He's Every right. week it's, it's not my fault. It is Every not my week. fault. I left 23 minutes early. Okay, for my house in Birmingham, Michigan. <laughs> We're going to get to Birmingham, Michigan in a second, but yes. yeah. 
and right. and I hit every light on the way. It's it's not my fault. Right. It's not my fault. Do not make me get on my hands and knees and beg Spiro to come back. Please do not put me in that position where I've got to grovel. <laughs> what Darko State News? How many how many times has she shown up in the exact same never, time frame? Never, He's never. Like, he just lies about being no, late, and then he shows always, up on time. <laughs> he was always on time True. for show prep. Always. Wow. And you're putting me in a horrible position to fire someone who's not getting paid. Well, that that, is, that would be a bad position. That's a horrible position to put poor Jeff that's, Mess in. That's almost as bad as a position as you on your hands and knees, Jeff. <laughs> so what, why don't you tell me, uh, we, we both have stories, I think, about uh, spending Saturday in Birmingham. Um, I was a few miles away from you at the Maple Theater uh, spending my uh, anniversary weekend with my wife, seven years of... Tor- torture of the poor girl. What were you watching? Um, we saw the movie The Lobster. Have you heard of this film? I actually have. Colin Farrell. You're a yeah. big Colin Farrell guy, right? I'm a big Colin Farrell. Yeah. And uh, we can talk about this for a quick second. Because, just a second, uh, sure. Just in the intro where we talk about absolute blather about nothing. Mm-hmm. But I, I highly recommend this this film. Uh, it's, it's very odd. It's almost like a two-hour Twilight Zone episode. It uh, takes place... In some dystopian future, where basically it's kind of relevant to the two of you, is now that I think about it. How's that? Because it, we're going to be totally living in a dystopian yeah, both, future. Both Jessica and Jasper uh, could be in this movie because what the movie is Why? basically about is in this future uh, society. If it's going to be offensive, isn't it? No. Well, maybe a little. <laughs> if you break up or get divorced or you're not married. You have 45 days to find your mate. Oh, why? 45 days. And if you don't find a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, your future husband or wife, in that 45-day period, which is spent at a bizarre hotel where there are men and women who are single there, if you don't in that 45-day period find your soulmate, you get turned into the animal of your choice. What stupid movie were you watching again? The Lobster. And it's with Colin Farrell, John C. Riley, Rachel Weisz. It's it's very good. It's it's fucking bizarre. Hey, yeah, that's the third uh, the third recommendation of Lobster I've heard so far. Oh, so I, yeah. I guess I do have to go check Definitely it out. Definitely go check it out. It's at the Maple. I'd rather so. be turned into an animal of my choice than be forced to settle, I think. Well, yeah. So Can you just like date somebody in this movie and no, then no. really I'm not going to ruin any more of it. Yeah. That's okay, what fine. I basically said is kind of like what's in the trailer sure. and what's in the IMDB mm-hmm. you know, little blurb. So I'm not ruining anything. That's basically, I don't want to tell you anything else. But it's an it's an excellent movie. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. It'll definitely make you think for, for a couple days afterwards if you're into that, if you're into thinking. Uh, but the reason I say it's kind of um, relevant. relevant to the two of you is I think you probably have about a day left until you get to turn into an animal. No, we got back together. Oh, wow. Breaking news. I mean, that happens when you're still living together. You're inevitably, like, going to bang at some point, and then, boom, it's back on. That's just what happens. So you're back together or you're banging? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was not a a yes or no question, but we'll, we'll, okay, so fine. So you're, so So, yeah. So the 45 days restarted for you. You've got about 14 days before we're. You get turned into an animal. I would yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm pretty screwed on that front. <laughs> uh, un, un, unfortunately, I don't have your feminine wiles or whatever. You don't have boobs. Mm, yeah, that's, well, what, I, that's what I meant. That I was just trying to out. keep it 
a classy. That's, well, that's you know fine. how we like to keep things on the DSR. Oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. always, always so. the epitome of. Well, class. anyway, on Speaking. Saturday, on Saturday, you were out probably trolling for new trim over at Dicko Dow's in downtown Birmingham. No, I was hanging out with a dear girlfriend of mine. So, Scott Anderson. <laughs> no, no, no. Her her boobs aren't quite that big. So what happened? <laughs> Why'd you tell the people? It's on the DSR. Uh, uh, well, what happened was I, I decided to go over to Dick O'Dow's after uh, working my shift at Bella Piatti. And when I got there, I couldn't help but notice uh, Mickey York sitting with a couple of his friends, I would assume, over in another, you know, over in another corner. So they were just hanging out. It's fine. Whatever. I didn't think too much of it. Thought I'd mention it maybe on the DSR. Elite Mickey page. York, of course, being the uh, Fox Sports Detroit studio host for Red Wings and Tiger games. Been here for a long time. I actually started in Seattle when they used to do those shows there, then moved to Detroit where they broadcast out of yeah. Southfield. That Mickey York. Yeah. And, and I have rich, no, man, rich man's Rob Otto. Yeah. Mickey, I, yeah. I have no issue with Mickey York in any way. I, I don't think of him either way, you know, as great or bad or anything, really. Um, he's a pre and post game guy. It's, he's a slapdick, paid he, for shill who's blocked me on Twitter. But other than that, I really okay. don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> you don't care. Other, other than what Jeff said, I suppose. But so I have no major. I was in. Writing I anything. was in Dick O'Dow's with a friend of mine, Scott Anderson, and we not s- the ninety-seven one host. We need to say always. I I don't think that we need to clarify that in my case. But when we were there, Mickey York was there. All of a sudden. Um, a not-so-young woman walked in with her friend now and started going over to Mickey, started talking to him, started dancing with him. Now, this same woman had earlier in the evening uh, propositioned me for sex in a bathroom at Bella Piatti as I dropped okay. her food off at a I table. Haven't, I have wait, wait a second. You Wait. I thought she propositioned you in a bathroom. Was she eating in the toilet? No. I dropped off her food at her table. Yeah. And she said, okay, she said, I said, here's your. Who is she with? She was with a friend of hers. Okay, great. I said, here's your soft shell crab appetizer, which is delicious, by the way. And she said, wow, this looks good enough to orgasm. And I said, sure. (laughs) And she said, do you want to have an orgasm with me in the bathroom? (laughs) What? And I said, Frown upon that in this place. Unfortunately, I think my boss would be a little upset. She also later propositioned my dad for sex. But what? Yes, what? yes, yes. My dad, the chef at Bella Piatti. She she also hit on him as well. Anyway, she this was she was I, very I didn't even drunk. know any of this. She story. was very drunk. It's disgusting. Oh, okay. It's pretty gross. So anyway, she's at Dick O'Dow's, starts dancing with Mickey York, and Mickey York. I will tell you. A lot of people have said that the video that we posted was of, – of the 10-second video of Mickey York dancing was him joking around, him being silly. Perhaps that was the case. I can't pretend to know what Mickey York was thinking. I wasn't standing right next to him. I never had the chance to interview him. But if it was a joke, it was a very long-running one. <laughs> Let me leave it at that. Um, he was dancing – like a white guy, if we're being honest. No better than you or I, Jeff, oh, no, would dance. Except for, except for I would not dance in public, ever. Well, I think that's the difference between us and Mickey York is we would have enough common sense not to, not to dance in a bar or anywhere where other people could see us. 
because he, we're he, terrible at he it. He basically made Tom Willis from the Jeffersons uh, look like Michael Jackson circa 1982. That's how bad. Uh, and, and, and probably you don't get that reference because you're like 12. Uh, but, also because uh, I wasn't listening to what you were just yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly that too. Yeah. But so if you can go to the website, you can see. No, I, I know a I lot mean, of people, people are saying yeah. we're, we're bullying him. I mean, I, it was a jo- it was it was tongue in cheek. Yeah. it's a funny thing. I don't think Nobody, anybody. I don't think anybody on the DSR is saying that Mickey York is a bad guy or that he's uh, worthy of derision more so than anyone else who is a white male. If he's a single guy looking to get laid, yeah. Uh, and and FYI, at a he, bar. He, I believe he did leave with those two women. So. Oh well. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. After getting turned down by the Apollonia, I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna the say Apollonia that I'm right or wrong. family. I, but completely I, they re- rebuffed the girl. Is it? By the way, is a joint Apollonia on the Bella Piatti menu? Is <laughs> something? Was this a special for the evening? No, no, no. <laughs> that's that's something that would never ever happen. Oh my god! Oh my I, god. I'm, I'm like so tra- I don't even have like a, a clever response to that. That's just too traumatizing even to think of. So Holy thanks, crap. thanks a lot. Oh my god! I don't know if she knew we were father and son, but I like to think she did. But you guys do get it done. Oh my god! Yeah, my, me and my dad in our father 500 square foot apartment. Ah, uh, well, the she, lady killer. She'd have nowhere to to run. That's for sure. <laughs> well, she wouldn't have to run very fast. My dad's wow. not that skinny. So. All right. So if you want to go see the video of uh, Mickey York doing his moves, his dance moves, he's got some elbow things going. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I thought it was pretty funny and, and worth a post. Uh, <laughs> Again, and exact, nobody, exactly, nobody's. This we, is we not like a, a big deal. <laughs> no, but it was. It was you know weekend. Material for the website. It was pretty funny, I thought. so. It's really innocent amusement. There's yeah, nothing wrong exactly. with that. We, but, of course, former uh, DSR managing editor. I can, uh, took, look, he, I, can he, see, he, I can see the point of view. Well, I can see it. the point of view uh-huh. where you go while well, the guy's in a bar hanging out with his friends just trying to enjoy a night off. He shouldn't be videotaped. And I actually do understand that point of view. I just thought it was a silly post. And the video itself... It's hard to not find pretty funny. I've watched it a lot of times. Just so. got a ticket text from the DSR's uh, video uh, producer, media editor, Brian Cavanaugh. Quote, so glad I picked this show to listen to with my 11-year-old in the car. Oh. <laughs> ooh. Wow. Well, uh, Why would you ever do that, I, Brian? Come I was, on. I was going to say, oh my like, what, what show would you listen to <laughs> with Cade Cavanaugh in the car? Yeah. That's... Already your first mistake. Fifteen minutes in, Jessica banging her ex and the threesome, sloppy threesome with uh, Jasper's dad and some drunk girl at Bella in a, in a bathroom. All right, let's go on to a, uh, a an actual kind of sports subject. Uh, got the opening out of the way. Got the uh, promo for Cali tickets. Trying to keep this show very linear and professional. Mm. Of course, we're trying to we're trying to impress one hundred five point one. Don't you remember, which, Jeff? Which which we could get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have that on my list of things to talk about. Um, I think we'll, we'll maybe we'll wait till after the uh, six o'clock hour to talk sure. about I, uh, the response that I got from Buzz Knight, the vice president at Greater Media. Uh, one on the record and one off the record response, um, and I'm going to post. It's it's come to the point where I'm going to post all of it on the DSR, but we'll talk about wow. that after. I, I don't think you should post the off-the-record stuff. But No, 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 not the off the record. Oh, okay. It's really not off-the-record what he told me, but it's kind of like something that he probably doesn't realize that I know. Sure. But I do Okay, know. that's fine. So we'll get to that after the 6 o'clock hour. But I want to talk about a fellow Syracuse uh, graduate of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't know if you know if you were. Ariel Hawani. Yeah, Ariel Hawani. I had, I had the opportunity to see him, well, gosh, two years ago now. When I was a junior, he came to Newhouse, um, gave a little bit of a Q&A. Very interesting. There's not a lot of UFC guys out there, not a lot of MMA reporters in high positions with name recognition. Ariel's been probably the most well-recognized name if not really the only recognized name by even average fight fans. So right. big and name. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying that I don't watch UFC. I don't like MMA. I have no interest and in, I think you you enjoy I, I love the stuff. Yeah, yeah. You like it. I enjoy I, the fight game. I, I completely ignore it. Um I just I, I just am sorry I have no interest. But this story uh, regarding UFC and Ariel Hawani I think is something that I think we need to talk about just because it kind of touches on a lot of the stuff that the Detroit Sports Rag has been mentioning over the last decade plus uh, issues of access for reporters, the threat of credentials being pulled, what you have to do as a beat writer, it seems, which he kind of he's a glorified beat writer. I mean, he's he's more of a television. He's a television personality and, and a beat right, writer. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's just shocking. There's no, there's no hero in this story to me. I think Helwani is as bad as Dana White in UFC in this issue, in this situation. Because if you don't know the whole story, we'll give a quick. Why don't you give a quick recap? You're the professional broadcaster. What sure, happened. absolutely. Well, what happened was Brock Lesnar. If you're a UFC, no, that's a name I do know. <laughs> yes, or a professional wrestling fan, you will know that name. Brock Lesnar is arguably the biggest draw in UFC history, one of the bigger draws in WWE history. So Brock Lesnar in the fighting game, in, in the fighting promotion game, I should really say, because that's what the WWE and the UFC are. In those stratospheres, Brock Lesnar is about as big as a name as it gets. Now, Brock Lesnar used to fight in the UFC he had diverticulitis, which is uh, an intestine issue, had to get a bunch of his intestine taken out, ended his fighting career, or so people thought. Uh, his last fight against Alistair Overeem, he didn't even look like the same guy. So we went to WWE for a few years. He's been there since 2011. Gosh, he's been there a right. while now. And he recently got the uh, Saturday night. Friday, yeah, Saturday night, I believe, signed back with UFC and is scheduled to fight at UFC 200 against Mark Hunt. Which is what their 200th pay-per-view? Yes. Okay. Now, Ariel Helwani reported this news first. What he didn't realize was that reporting this news before UFC wanted him to report it would lead to him and his two associates who were with him at the fight that night. Right. To get kicked out and banned from UFC events for life. Now, for you, Jeff, that might not be a big issue. For a guy who is a right. MMA reporter, that's a bit of an issue. So and what it, he did was then the right. next day he went on his podcast and – Well, let's stop, let's stop well, there sure. for a second because we're going to get to the podcast of when he came out and explained what happened. But so first of all – this is just disgusting behavior, and I don't know how anyone who watches UFC um, can can deal with this because 
if I was, it's bad enough Roger Goodell, who did not die, as we were led to believe by someone who hacked the NFL account. Um, Next time. A few hours ago. He's still alive. Uh, I, I don't think it would have evened the score of losing Shanling, Bowie, uh, Prince, Ali. Natalie Cole, Ali. Uh, Kimbo Slice. Abe, Abe Vigoda, Kimbo Slice. If, <laughs> if we would have lost Goodell and Scalia, but we would have been inching closer um, in that battle. But so, I mean, as bad as Goodell is and some over. of the stuff that the NFL does or, you know, some of the other leagues, this was basically the equivalent of the NBA banning, let's say, Rick Buecher sure. for breaking news that, I don't know, Kobe Bryant Actually, was going to retire. A, a more something. accurate comparison would be NBA banning David Aldridge, who works for NBA.com. That would be a more right. apt comparison because of what happened the next day right. when Ariel Helwani went for on his breaking radio news. show. All he did was break news. Yes, he broke, he broke news that he got from a source. Ariel Hawani graduated with a degree in broadcast journalism from the SI Newhouse School of Communications. He's a journalist. Well, we well, think. We thought. Well, <laughs> at least that's what we thought, and that's what he apparently thought of himself when he did break that news and was kicked out by Dana White himself. Now, the difference between Roger Goodell and Dana White is that Roger Goodell is – Beholden to the owners, all 30 of them. 32, 32, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. 32. Yeah, got it right. 32 owners, okay? Dana White is not because Dana White is one of the owners of the UFC. UFC. He is also the guy who puts matches together. He is the main promoter. This is like if Don King got his hands on on all the championship belts. Right. It's a bad move. It's not a good idea. Um, but it, it's just garbage. Well, to, and, to, and to ban and the guy and Dana White has for breaking a, news. Yes, and he has and Dana White has a long storied history of being a petty tyrant. Right. So well, we found out we course. found out afterwards that Helwani's been roughed up yep. by UFC choked, choked by. by UFC security members. Mm-hmm. He comes on Monday, does this podcast where he basically states that he's gone over and above. I think there was one instance where. Um, What's the uh, the female Ronda Ronda Rousey? Rousey. Yes, where he asked Ronda Rousey's current boyfriend whether he could ask him about the relationship. Right. He, I mean, Helwani has been known, Deadspin, some of the other websites, as kind of a slapdick for UFC anyway in the last couple of years. I mean, if you look back, and and that's the only reason I've known that any of this is through basically Deadspin, where they basically said he was kind of a corporate shill. Yep. Blah blah blah. And and that has been. And this is the guy. The guy who's who's known as someone sympathetic to your brand, this is the guy you banned for life on Saturday. And if it wasn't for the immense well, media coverage, and I, I'm not sure they would have reversed that 48 hours later. Well, but, not only not only was he a shill, he was quite literally. Well, yeah. Tell us what we found out. Well, he revealed in a uh, tear-soaked podcast. He he started crying at a certain point that. He was actually paid directly by the UFC. So even though he was technically working for Fox Sports, his checks were signed by Zuffa. That is the company that owns UFC. So essentially, he was no different than somebody like Tim Twentyman or Mike O'Hara or 
anyone who works for the company or the sport that they cover. No different. Right. There's there's that's why I said and, there's, and, there's absolutely no heroes and it's, here. Exactly. In this story. And, this and, is and all I villains. It, and I found it very odd when guys like Dan, Dan Lebetard the next day were going on their shows and talking like Helwani was some sort of hero for standing up to Dana White and reporting the news and he was some journalistic bastion. I don't see that personally. And I'm not trying to bomb a guy who's a graduate of the same school I just graduated from, but it's a terrible look for him as a journalist. And somehow it's an even worse look still for UFC right. for, for well, so doing let's what quick, they did. Let me quickly summarize this if, if, you've, if you're getting bored. So the guy who's been known as a shill for a couple of years gets banned for breaking a story. UFC says that they wanted it run by them first, which they've got absolute. I mean, that's just ridiculous. You, you, oh, yeah. Let me call Dana White to see if it's true Brock Lesnar is coming back. And when he puts me on hold for five minutes and announces to the world that he is on Twitter or something, I lose my breaking news story. So that's stupid. That guy who you banned is a guy up until a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, whatever it was, you were paying directly. Uh, try a couple days ago. Okay. We, no, no, well, no, got Fox. fired by Fox. Fox was a couple Fox months ago, right? Months ago. Yes, yeah, sorry. so Fox, he was allegedly working for Fox, being paid basically by Dana White. This is the I mean, this is so incestual. And why I want to tie it all in, and we'll get to you know the first break, and then we'll come back and talk about some uh, Pistons and Tigers stuff. But this is where I believe the media in general is going, where it's heading. Because if you can't make money, if the newspapers can't make money on their websites, and you're going to have billionaires like Peter Thiel trying to put entities out of business like Gawker, whatever you think of that website, if newspapers are, res- are resorting to hire guys they can pay thirty-five dollars or $40,000 a year, like Anthony Fennec, to cover the Detroit Tigers and give us absolutely horrid coverage, a guy who doesn't even know the English language as we proved last week, doesn't know the difference between conviction and vindication, this dummy, that we're getting closer and closer to a dystopian world as I'm tying this in to the lobster where nobody, nobody is going to have the ability to tell the truth unless you want to do it like me, at a loss, begging for money on GoFundMe. Because how are you going to make a living at this? Oh, as, it's, as, it's I posted, as I posted last week on the website, Josh Katzenstein from the Detroit News went on Ryan Schuling's show right before Memorial Day and stated to Ryan that the Lions have threatened his credentials numerous times, and they've done it to other beat writers. The Detroit News, I was told, couldn't hire Tony Paul to be the beat writer because the Tigers didn't want someone that critical of the team covering them every day. This is bec- this is getting ho- worse and worse every year. And I think this Helwani UFC story is the future. And maybe I'm cynical. No, I, I you're, don't, you're I don't, not. I don't see how you get around it. Jeff, I'm going to tell you somebody who... I know a lot of people in the industry. I've spoken to a lot of them. 
this is really the direction things are going. You see where the uh, the leagues themselves now have the ability to cover themselves and get viewers and make money from doing it. You look at something like the NFL Network. That's a perfect example. Lions.com. There's a reason why they're starting to threaten the credentials of beat reporters. It's because they don't need beat reporters anymore. The NFL has their own cable channel. They don't need the Detroit News to spread awareness of their product. They don't even really need ESPN in a couple of years, by the way. That's, I believe, what's going to happen. The NFL is going to simply just take all their own stuff because the the, the bubble of paying for live sports is going to crash at a certain at a certain point. It's already started in certain areas like Houston, um, and, and it's going to continue to do so. The NFL Network has already proven that – the NFL has proven that they can control their own narrative, that they can control the distribution of their own product, that they don't need these local beat reporters. They don't need these local TV stations anymore. It's going to come to an end, and I personally am very worried – for the state of journalism and sports. Because guess what? The NBA has their own channel. The MLB has their own channel. The NHL has their own channel. This is the way things are going. And their websites are great. They're great websites. I go to NBA.com to get my NBA stats. I don't go to ESPN. Right. That is a sign of where things are going. They're simply just eating up all this great talent. David Aldridge. It's a guy I just mentioned, a big-time writer, works for NBA.com. He works for the NBA now. Right, and it, it and really— That's the way things you, are going because they let me can tell you pay something. more. This isn't just an Ariel Helwani issue. No. Okay? This is why the beat writers for these teams are so deathly afraid of criticizing the team because they don't want their— creden- this, guy was, this guy was beaten up and choked. He— had his credentials threatened. Then they were eventually pulled. Josh Katzenstein told you that on Ryan Schuling's show that the Lions have done this to him. Why do you think the Lions are and he stopping, said, and he are said stopping the Lions beat are gonna... reporters from uh, reporting on what's going on in OTAs? And this is the problem. When you own the building, okay, or you're renting the building out for that day, Dana White can kick you out. The Lions can say, tell whoever they want to come into Allen Park. They own it. They own Ford Field. You're there at their mercy, at their discretion. Mm-hmm. And things are getting worse, people. And again, it didn't used to be an issue, but now, and, and how can you, with the way that it works. As a UFC fan, how can you ever take anything that Ariel Helwani ever says again seriously or believe anything coming out of the UFC? And then we're going go to go well, to that question, well, and then okay. we're going to go to a break. For sure. First, first question. Oh, there, there, it, it seems to me it's a WWE. Wow. Ariel, at, at least he came clean. And I think once you admit what you've done, then you can start. Did he know what he was his... even admitting to even in that emotional state? It's almost like it seems like he just said, "I'm just going to just come clean." And I don't know. And I think he maybe he, in his mind he thought he built up enough cachet over the weekend from the Richard Deutsches of the world and the all Dan Labatards, all, all these people coming to his defense like he was some martyr. When it turns out he was nothing but. I mean that he was complicit in what was going on. So well, and and again I, to answer your second question, 
you can never trust anything that comes out of Dana White's mouth. And if you know okay, anything about the right. fight game, you don't. The problem is now you look at it and you say, okay, so who can I get my authentic, real, good MMA news from? Who? There's no one. And that's what's going to happen with Detroit sports teams, your local teams, yes. your leagues. That is happening. That's and, the future that we're heading and to. And, Jeff, it's not just you and me. I've spoken to at least five different beat reporters from all around the country, and they all feel the same way. They are all worried about that profession. Can you imagine going to work every day worried that something you write – and Tony Paul told us this on the, on the podcast. So this is – I'm not speaking out of school – that he would try to get news from t- Tigers players, and the Tigers you know, would get pissed at him. He, tr- he called – down to a minor league player that he had covered and written an article or something about that he had some relationship with and found out a few years ago that the Tigers were working out um, Peralta in the outfield coming off the suspension. And Dave Dombrowski didn't want that news out there. And all Dave Dombr- oh, excuse me, all Tony was doing was his job reporting about what he had found out, and he gets a tongue lashing, and they find out that Tiger prospects know, you know, in the minor leagues are no longer allowed to talk to the media without getting it cleared. If this is you're 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 being sold a bill of goods, and it's going to get worse. We're going to go to our first break. Uh, going to play a new song from a group that uh, I'm, I'm a, a fan of. Uh, they're like 13 or 14 year old kids from the five boroughs in New York. Been going to uh, uh, random bar mitzvahs again, yeah. Jeff. Unlocking the truth. No, they opened up for Living Color last year. And really, just down the street. Wow. Um, they're like 13, 14 years old. They got a That's impressive. multi-million dollar record deal from Sony. The Naked Brothers Sony. Band? No, they're, it's called Unlocking the Truth. Their first single is Monster. Uh, you can down, download it on iTunes now. Which is their, their album's coming out, I think, this week. Uh, this is Unlocking the Truth and Monster. This is a previously recorded episode. Back on uh, episode, I think, 33 of the DSR podcast. You are correct. It seems always my my co-hosts always know what which episode it is, and I never do. It's because I keep track of which ones I'm on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Polishing up that resume. Oh, yeah. Before you set it on fire. Mm-hmm. So I, you think I can list you as a reference? Yeah, you can list me as a reference. <laughs> yeah, great. you probably have a better chance of getting an insurance job listing <laughs> me as a reference than in the Detroit sports media. Which stick around, we'll get to that. Like I said, after the six o'clock, we got a lot of stuff actually to talk about today. Um, that's why I think we could do. At least two hour shows a week instead of. I next week ma- I want next week I want to run a poll, seeing a couple options because I I think there's some changes we could make in terms of the the time and the days. But we'll we'll discuss. Did anyone that call later. Landing Strip to see if they were going to be advertising with us? Are, are they still like flooding? Are they still <laughs> flooded or I something? Don't, I, don't I don't. I don't think we want to spread that rumor. No. <laughs> so no okay. flooded with no. I know with attractive well, women. Yeah. Exactly. That one's free. I, I was going to say something Next one else. Will cost you. I, I was going to say something else, but Cade Cavanaugh is listening. So, <laughs> poor Cade. Yeah, poor Cade. He's had a tormented life being a <laughs> son of a DSR uh, reader. Poor kids had to eat at a Terry Foster restaurant. Got hung up on by Matt Dairy. Got hung up on my Matt Dairy. Also, was present when we gave. Was he there for the blow? Yeah, he was. He <laughs> blow, was up jo- blow up. Uh, Sex toy? Yeah. Be careful what you say there. You almost said he was there. Was he there for the blowjob? No, no. He was there for no. the <laughs> the sex doll, blow up doll yeah. delivered to Scott. Not your friend Scott Anderson. The ninety seven one version. 
We need you know who needs to actually the, change the name the legally mom? is our is is Scott Anderson. Yeah, really. He really needs to change his name. Where's Mrs. Anderson oh, excuse me, Mrs. Kavanaugh on all of this? I just assumed she, she was dead. Is she in a freezer somewhere? <laughs> I mean poor poor Cade has to go through all, all of this uh torment and I the mom just delinquent in her maternal duties. I we should get it. That's who we forget Melissa on the show. Yeah, we need to find out. What I'd like to have Mrs. Mrs. Kavanaugh like to get her on the air. So yeah, I agree with that. All right, let, now we've been putting this subject off for weeks, uh, but this was an argument that's been going on since I guess January in the DSR forums. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe even December. It might. It might be December. But Drew Sharp wrote an article uh, last week, and there's nothing worse than. Waking up in the morning to find out that Drew Sharp has written a column that agrees with you, <laughs> that takes your side of an argument. Like, I, it was a good day for me. I wake up to Twitter with about seven mentions of my name with Drew Sharp saying, uh, "Did Sharp plagiarize you in Darko State News? Uh, oh, did you see that Drew Sharp has the exact same take as you?" Like. First thing to wake up in the morning to that, I don't know how I just didn't go drink a vat of acid. But here was the here's the story. It's never too late, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Drew Sharp wrote an article, quote, this is the headline, Pistons won't contend for t- title with Drummond as centerpiece. A drum, no pun intended, that Spiro and I have been beating for months now. Mainly because we think he's a mental midget that's never going to grow. Uh, he's 22, going on 23 years old. If anything, his behavior is getting worse on social media. Uh, any any per, any perceived slight, uh, he he goes off on, including he read this article by Sharp saying that he should be trade uh, that Drummond should be traded. Uh, maybe to the Philadelphia 76ers for a couple of their young big men, which we'll get into another. We'll get into that, and you can explain why that's stupid. Uh, but he responded to that. He's he's responded to me. We all know the history of Spiro going to a game, sitting on the baseline, miming free throws, and Andre Drummond threatening to kill Spiro multiple times, and then at the end of the game actually trying to uh, – live up to those words before getting dragged back by Reggie Jackson and Steve Blake. So Spiro has kind of a two-prong reason why he has written and, and spoken on this podcast why he wanted Drummond Gun. One, he hates him because the guy threatened to kill him, and we think he's a piece of shit. Uh, two, he doesn't think he's going to be ever mentally equipped to lead a team or even be a key component in a franchise that wins a championship. And I tend to, A, for sure... I. I want him gone because I don't like him. Whether or not it's a good basketball move to trade him, I'm a little more agnostic on. I I just don't think the Pistons are really anywhere close to competing for a title. I think we've seen the team that they got swept by in the first round this year is getting their asses handed to them by uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and the other band of uh, gentlemen with the Golden State Warriors. I think there's at least three teams that would be doing the same exact thing to the Cleveland Cavaliers who swept the Detroit Pistons. I just don't think the core of Reggie Jackson, Drummond, Harris, Johnson, I I just don't see this team developing into a championship team. 
So I don't see the harm. If I don't like Andre Drummond personally, I think he's a punk. And trading him and getting commensurate value. You disagree. Oh, of course I disagree. It's because it's a nonsense argument. Now, I will say this. If you or Justin want to trade Andre Drummond because you don't like him, or in Justin's case, I understand that even more. The guy went after him. I, how can I fault you for wanting a guy who tried to, you know, punch you in the face? <laughs> how can I fault you for not wanting that guy at the games that you go to? I have no issue with that. I do have an issue with it from a basketball standpoint. And this is where my frustration comes in with the majority of the DSR because a lot of people are not with me on this. I believe that trading Andre Drummond for anything other than a young stud center is just about the dumbest thing you could do from a basketball perspective. The Pistons right now have a roster that is set up around the Stan Van Gundy system, the same Stan Van Gundy system that he ran uh, in when he was in Miami, when he was in Orlando, when he had Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard. Now, I'm willing to go out and say this right now. Andre Drummond, at this point, is certainly no Shaquille O'Neal, and he's not even really on Dwight Howard's level. People forget when they went to the finals, Dwight Howard was inarguably a top five player in There's the There's no league. way. He's nowhere near. He's Andre Drummond. Offensively, offensively, he's nowhere near no. well, Dwight actually, Howard actually offense, Actually, offensively, I would argue that Andre Drummond already has a better offensive game than Dwight Howard. Defensively, however, he's nowhere if close. You're, if you're adding in the free throw issue, though? Well, it's not like Dwight was lighting the world he's on fire. Not 35%. But, uh, sure. Right. That, and again, that's a fair argument. I, I can't fault somebody for saying, I don't want a guy on my team who can't shoot free throws. Okay, I get that. That's an issue. It's a huge issue. We've seen it this year when Aaron Baines had to come in in the last few minutes of— Few minutes, sometimes in the last eight well, minutes. Well, I'm saying yeah. for of crucial playoff yeah. games. I don't know about crucial considering they got swept, but any playoff game is a crucial game. When, when the future of your franchise can't play for the last few minutes, that's a huge issue. I'm willing to admit that. Um, that's mighty white of you. Thank you. Here's what my here's where my issue comes in. This team, the entire core, Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Stanley Johnson, all under 26 years old. All other than Contavious Caldwell Pope and Drummond, who will be resigned this offseason, all of them are signed for at least the next three years. So you have a young core that is set in place to be in their peak when their contracts are about to expire. Now, that would include Andre Drummond. You sign him to a five-year deal, he's going to be 28 years old, 27, 28 years old, when he hits the market next. So what's the point point of having a bunch of young players hitting their peak and still not being good enough to win a championship? That's where you and I disagree. This team, how old are Durant and Westbrook? This team ever beat— Durant and Westbrook are in three years okay. What is their supporting cast? Dion Waiters? This team's never beating a team with Durant and Westbrook anywhere near their prime. 
How, how old are Curry how can you and say Thompson? That? How can you say that this team is – they're all 23, 24 years because old? Because – Look at the Orlando Magic. Look at the Orlando Magic Because right they're now. led by a mental midget. Look at the Orlando who, Magic who, right who, now. Okay? Who? The Orlando Magic right now are in a very similar position to the Detroit Pistons. They have a young core full of talent. Say what you will. You might not believe – Orlando? Orlando, yes. They're not going to win anything either. Well, well maybe see, they'll win maybe see, they'll win the East. Yeah, okay, well then maybe. you're not even looking at it. But, yeah, but I am. But the, you have teams... the co- Okay, but you have the roster you have, Jeff. You have the okay. roster you have. So, it's so set shake up. it up. It, you're Why? telling me you're Jeff, telling me Jeff, that I Stan let you Van Gundy. I let you give you're your telling me I let you give your Gundy. side of the story. Hold on. I'll no, let you talk. I'm going to hold on. No, you hold on because I let you give your side. Now you let me give mine. I've been letting you give your side of the story. What your is it? Your entire roster is set up to do whatever it's going to do in the next three to four years. Guess what happens, though, after that? Everyone's still young. Everyone is still tradable. That is where my issue comes in. So we're if supposed to wait Andre four Drummond, years. Uh, so I'm supposed to wait four years. You I'm don't not, have to wait I could have a heart attack. You're or, not waiting four I, years, Jeff. I, I could get mauled by Jeff. someone outside of the door. Jeff, this is Stan Van Gundy's plan. This is what he set up. It is so obvious to anyone. He is building around Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, this young core. He didn't know what a mental order, midget Andre Drummond was when he okay, set this Jeff, plan up. Jeff, if you don't think that Stan Van Gundy did his due diligence on Andre Drummond and the Pistons before he took the job as GM, or not GM, sorry, director of basketball operations slash head coach, then you're stupid. No, no. You're he, stupid. He, he, nobody knew. You're a fool. Nobody in this town oh. knew the guy would regress oh, yeah, and be right. more of a mental yeah. midget. How could Stan Van Gundy know that nobody Andre Drummond that. wasn't a good free throw shooter? That's He'd not only it. Been a, that's not the issue. No, what is the issue? The Jeff? issue is he's regressed as a as, as wrong, a, wrong. Oh, he hasn't please. regressed. He's he's excelled as a player. No, 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 no. He was third as team All NBA this as, year as a human being. Oh my god! He wasn't threatening fans last year. It wasn't a point where he Stan also Gundy had to had to bring up the issue Jeff, of, of bringing in someone to teach him to shoot underhanded free throws. He also throws. he also wasn't an all star last year. He also didn't have the spotlight on Big him last year. Fucking Detroit deal. was this team's a nothing going nowhere. team last year. I got news for you, Jasper. This team going is going nowhere. nowhere. They just won forty three games. Oh wow! Let's throw a party. And after They're seven in, years, they finally Jeff, got to the playoffs. Jeff, where they lost they have, four straight games. Oh really? Oh, they finally got to the to playoffs. A team that's in embarrassing two years. itself in the finals. Jeff, they just increased their win total by what 10 from last year what was their win total last year i'm here detroit who cares yes i care i care because that's the point 43 games in a lousy conference no but that's where you're wrong it's because the east while the top of the east i am going to go ahead and say it no one in the east could beat the top four teams in the west right easy there's no debate from anyone on that point but the east as a whole was a far better conference than the west this year you can see that even in head-to-head matchups with the West. Oh. The East had a winning oh. record against the West this year. The East, for the first time since, I believe, 2006, had teams with with winning, or uh, I believe the Chicago Bills finished 500. Chicago Bills? Chicago Bulls oh, okay. finished 500 and missed the Bills, playoffs. I'm oh, sorry, did. I said 43. <laughs> 44 games the Pistons won okay. this year. I'm just waiting to see who's going to have a brain aneurysm first. That's all. Well, it's going to be Jeff because he's older. No. <laughs> But I can't debate that. The At least you finally is, said something factual. 
<laughs> Why would I said anything that's not factual? Because this, this is a you team. You got this pie in the sky theory. There's that no a team of Tobias Harris, Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond. No. They're gonna grow no. and somehow win it. This isn't so a team. get rid of Drummond. This isn't I don't a like team him. that can win a championship at this point in time. They need more. It was so obvious in the playoffs. What Steve Blake? You can't. You got to have a real backup point guard. You need a real backup power forward. Heck, I think you actually need a real starting power forward because Tobias Harris isn't that. We saw that when he faced up against Kevin Love. But look, if you're talking about signing Ryan Anderson and Matthew Dellavedova this offseason, all of a sudden you have one of the best starting lineups and the best benches in the NBA. In the entire so you're NBA. telling me if... if I will say this. If they if sign Ryan trade, Anderson and Matthew Della Vadova, the Detroit Pistons will be the two seed next year. Okay. The two seed in the East. Can they even poss- possibly be the two seed if Cleveland is the f- one seed? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, they, Thank you. No, they couldn't. I'm I not guess. an NBA yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. But sorry, they will have the second fine. best record okay. in the East that's, next year. That's all fine. You can't tell me if the Pistons traded Drummond for... The first pick overall in the draft. That would be asinine. Okay. Oh, really? Oh, because then, when do you think the number one pick in the draft, which is probably in this case, you would pick Brandon Ingram. Or, you know, or you'd pick, you could go either way. Either way. Simmons or Ingram. That guy's not going to be ready for at least, at least two to three years. And at that point, your entire team's contracts are up. What's the point of signing Reggie Jackson to that contract? What's the point of signing Contavious Caldwell Pope I, to another contract? I've never heard this argument made in my life. You sign guys to contracts that are, and, and you can trade them. What's, you the, can, point? You, what's what do you mean, the point? What's the point? You just put this roster together. You want to blow it up. Yeah, I, you I didn't even let no, him do anything. I, I didn't put the roster together. Jeff. Stan Van Gundy put it together. Yeah. Oh, you mean Stan Van Gundy, the guy who until last year never had a season below five hundred? Listen, Heck, I like never Stan even lost less than fifty games. I, I you think like that Stan, guy doesn't know what he's doing? Huh? Well, he's how many titles he won? So, how many so, titles he won? Oh, don't be an ass. Don't be an ass. He would have won one. Okay, if it wasn't for Pat Riley coming down from his golden throne to take how many his titles team. has mental midget Dwight Howard won? Who is the best comparable for mental midget Andre Drummond? Stan Van Gundy has gone to multiple conference finals. He's gone to an NBA final. Stan Van Gundy is unequivocally a great coach. And if he and and if he signs Andre Drummond and doesn't trade him, he's making a huge mistake because this guy is never going. Listen, this is the difference between he doesn't you and me. have to be. The, I grew he doesn't up have to be the leader. Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer. Oh. Uh, Hey, Dennis tell me, Rodman. tell me, tell me, tell me how the how the Golden State Warriors wouldn't win in 1995. I'm not going to say that. Hand checking. I'm not going to say that. But I watched mentally tough players win a championship. Every you know who's team, mentally tough? Every Reggie team. Jackson's mentally tough. You know who's mentally tough? Contavious Caldwell Pope is He's mentally not tough. Mentally you know tough. who's mentally tough? Stanley Johnson's mentally tough. You know who's mentally tough? Marcus Morris is mentally tough. There's more than enough mental toughness on this team to go around. And if you don't think some of it's going to rub off on it Andre hasn't. Drummond, it has. Oh, get out of here. Okay, what this about is trade? a guy who has gone so into trade Okafer and Noel. Okay, back away. First off, first off, back away from your mic. Thank you for the love of God, because he never listens to me. We have literally had wrestling matches over this for with the mic. For Christ's sake, back away from your mic. That, that sounds fun, and We're, I don't remember it ever happening. Well, not real wrestling matches. Second, We're just second. Both pulling how can you say that these that there's no mental toughness when the guy has been already said that he's willing to 
change his free throw motion this offseason. He's trying to do whatever it takes. The guy no, has he hasn't. Yes, that's he's what full he said. Of shit. That's what Stan Van Gundy said. Okay, I haven't heard Andre Drummond say it. All I've seen is Andre Drummond mock people who've suggested twenty-two. That he he's twenty-two. He's a kid. He's got to give him a shot. He's been in the league for what five years. He's on my his own? age. He's literally exactly my age. We have the same birthday. I am still going through certain aspects of my life where I need to mature, where I need to grow. It's about being a professional. Including in this subject, on this topic. Oh, on this topic. Okay, I'm the why, only is, one trading, saying, why well, is trading for Okafor here. and Noel for Drummond so bad? Why? Well, first why? off, because you already had Jaleel Okafor and Greg Monroe. And second of all, second of all that's bullshit because you didn't have, he didn't have a developed uh, KCP. He didn't have Stanley Johnson on the team. It's the same game. Jaleel Okafor is Greg Monroe. And Greg Monroe is not exactly terrible. Yeah, he's a good player. He's not Andre Drummond. Okay, but you're also getting Noel, too. Great. Ooh, Nerland's Noel. That's fantastic. Nerland's Noel is the exact same age as Andre Drummond and a vastly inferior player. There's no debate about that. Andre, you're getting both of them. It's so great. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting a shitty center and Greg Monroe. Oh, that's really going to solve those spacing issues. It's not what Stan Van Gundy wants to run. Well, so you wait, need so a guy. Stan Van Gundy can only run. You're saying he's Rich Rod? All he can run is one offense? It's all he can run? I'm that's not genius. That's all, that's all he can do? I'm saying it's, that's the he system has to have he Shaq, wants to run. Dwight Howard or Andre Drummond. He's got to have that or he can't coach? I mean, come on. I'm not saying he can't He's so coach. great. He should be able to figure out putting good players. Jeff, having He the, did. He just got good players. Have you seen any of the trades this team has made? You just said Tobias Harris wasn't that good. That's not Tobias the power Harris forward. is good. You just said he wasn't the power he's forward six, that you want. Of course. He's six foot you eight. You just said, you want me to, go, six foot eight. Want me to Je- go get the tape? Jeff, he's six foot eight. He can't guard guys like Kevin Love. That's my issue. Uh, Tobias Harris is a fantastic scorer and a matchup issue for Almost any power forward or small forward in the NBA. He's way too big for most small forwards. He's way too quick for most power forwards. The problem becomes when he's got a guy like Kevin Love who can simply abuse him in the post. Tobias Harris, in my opinion, is best suited as a backup power forward, a guy who you can throw out there when you need to score. He was a great second option with Detroit. Scored like 16 points a game. Very good player. My issue is... You need to beat Cleveland. The old, This is a roster that can beat Cleveland. It All is. Right. Okay. Here, here's the bottom line, okay? No, do you know, you know who actually— We're going to get off this. Uh, I'm going to make my one last, last point. Thing. No, my last point. Do you know who, the, who LeBron James had the worst points per 100 possession against this year? The two players. Tobias Harris, Marcus Morris. Great. That that that. Uh, you have your LeBron stoppers. We'll get you a Detroit. Jewish. You have no. You have you have Kentavious Caldwell Pope who can guard Kyrie Irving. Okay. Bottom line, Andre Tristan Drummond Thompson versus Andre Drummond. How's throws. that going to go? He can't shoot three throws. He's a mental midget, and he's not even he, with his body. Jeff, the, this is a team that guy, almost that was almost that had a shot to win three of the four oh, games they and, lost. And they lost four of them. Great, they they're slapped. young, they're playing LeBron James. Who, okay. This is their first time they've been hold in the on. playoffs. Hold on a second. No, really, uh, answer me this. Uh, do you think they could, They do you really think they would have lost to every team two I don't through care. seven? I do. They have, they have, they're I not, do. This team, as it consists, as there it grows, is, isn't going to be a threat to win an NBA they're championship. They're as close to the top and of the, the East bottom as line. They can be. And the guy has got so many faults with his game, including the guy should be a dominant defensive player, which he's not. 
Uh, nobody is denying that he needs to work on his game. But guess what, Jeff? He's 22. He's 22. Get rid of Talk him. Talk to me. Talk to me Get in four years. Talk to me in four years when he's 26. I probably won't be here in four years. Oh, shut Let's up. Let's see Ben Simmons. In, Let's in see four years. No, in four years when he's 26, guess what you can do? If he's still this having the issues. probably never going to win a championship right. ever again anyway. If he's still having the issues, Jeff, you know what you do? You trade him for a shitload of picks and a shitload of players just like Orlando did with Dwight Howard. Just like that. And even if you're not getting the same value, you're going to get multiple first-rounders. You're going to get multiple players. You're going to be very disappointed when this guy shows that he has no growth in him. Great, and if he doesn't, then you trade him. But you don't trade a 22-year-old who just made third-team All-NBA, who just made an All-Star game, who led the league in rebounding. You do not do it when you have a team around him that is set up if they are going to win anything, and I don't know if they are, They're I not. believe. They're I, not. I strongly believe. and They I, will never I, win a title my, my led by Drummond and Reggie Jackson. My conviction is that they will be in a finals in the next three years. That is what I strongly that, believe. And, that, and that, that might happen in this garbage conference. It doesn't. Maybe. You are, Jeff, you're missing the forest they're for not, the trees. They're not going to win a title the against East, any of those the good East teams. Is on in the the come in, in, Boston, Orlando, Milwaukee, Detroit. Those are teams that should be feared. In the league. Yeah. And the well, there's a lot years. of teams terrified about the Detroit Pistons. All right, let's get off this topic, and hopefully Stan Van Gundy will come to his uh, uh, senses and St- trade. S- SVG, call me up, dog. I got yeah. your back. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's hang out sometime. Uh, maybe grab a chalupa. I don't know. Let's talk about the Tigers. Take a bike ride. Let's talk about the Detroit Tigers. Take a bike ride. Yeah, haven't you ever uh, seen yeah, that? I've that, seen that yeah, photo. Yeah, that picture. Okay. Yeah. Tigers. Uh, who now are one game over 500 as we record this broadcast. Uh, they have a game tonight in about an hour uh, where they will be playing the Blue Jays with Andrew Romine batting second. Ah, what's his career OBP, by the way? I think t- it's under 300. Oh, fantastic. Where's Don Kelly? Y- you'd think you would think that this team at this point is almost like you, you can't screw it up. You'd think Brad Osmus would it would be on autopilot, at least the, the the lineup. He's resting Cameron Mabin today. And instead of just moving everyone in the lineup up one spot, Miggy bats second, JD bats fourth, uh, V-Mart bats third, he's putting in front of his three best hitters a guy who's got a career on-base percentage, I think, of two ninety four. And... Speaking of which, we should probably uh, give give away the tickets now for the Tigers before I forget. So, good point. Uh, let's go to. Let me get the number here. Hold on one second. Uh, the fourth caller to eight seven seven two two five eight four two five will get a free pair of Tiger tickets to, to tomorrow's game against the Blue Jays. Great. Do you want to do you want to say that a little slower? Sorry. Like not I'm like an auctioneer. Eight seven seven two two five eight four two five. The fourth caller. Will win the tickets uh, sponsored by KellyTickets.com. Uh, you can call Kelly Tickets for all your ticket needs, the official sponsor of the Detroit Sports Drag Podcast and the website. So I, I really wasn't even going to talk about this issue. I, I just, I, it's just unbelievable to me that you have a manager who thinks batting Andrew Romine. I know it's one game, but you know, look at when you've already started off and you've played a third of the season at 500. With a two hundred million dollar payroll, you don't have the luxury. Well, you just got over five hundred for right. the first time. You don't time have the luxury long? to bat Andrew Romine second. You just don't. It's absolutely asinine. And 
you'd think after in the third year of this guy's uh, managerial career, he'd learn not to do this. No, third. Oh, yeah. Baltimore. Israel. Yeah. Israel. No, he lost no. to Baltimore in the first round last year. Oh, God. Yeah, they didn't years. make the playoffs since the third year of a three-year oh, contract. shit. It's been three years? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. You'd think this stuff would stop. And, and, and it's just, it's these managers who think that Miggy batting second instead of third for one game is going to screw up Miguel Cabrera, or JD batting four, or Upton moving up one spot. Are you, are you fucking kidding me? This isn't Little League. Kids aren't going to go crying home saying, oh my God, why did I bat seventh today? I mean, these are professional players. Mike Trout bat second for the, for the Angels a lot. When Poulos is not playing, I think he bats third. I think that last game against the Tigers. But this is not rocket science. You put your guys who get on base at the top of the lineup, and Andrew Romine is not that. But it's the same shit as bidding Don Kelly third when he, when he would rest Miguel Cabrera, when, when Jim Leland would do that stuff. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Uh, and and I, there's nothing I hate more than the mouth breathers who call into 97-1 and go, oh. Well, Andrew, why is Andrew Romine batting ninth and Cameron Mabin sitting? Uh, unacceptable. Look, it's a 162-game season. Guys need to rest. I have no problem with Mabin getting the day off. Little, you know, it's a 25-man roster. You got to get guys in the lineup every now and then. I'm not exactly the sure. Issue? Well, why? 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 Like Ghost now, to me, should be on the team just for his base running. You know, at this point. That the guy pinch runner at least. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Just for just as a pinch runner, why is he not on the team instead of someone else? I mean, well, it's the same issue we had with uh, Quentin Barry a couple years ago when it was like, look, the guy. Nobody is saying this guy is the next Ricky Henderson, but well, they've given a up need on him for him. They've given up on him. They called up Jacoby Jones from Erie, and he's going to be playing in Toledo now. He hit a home run last night. Actually, Ghost lost his job in Toledo. So it's not like you're even developing this guy anymore. No. So you might as well just sit on the bench sure. and use him for base running abilities. And he could get a spot start in center field today instead of Andrew Romine. First of all, Andrew Romine playing center field in Comerica Park is a whole nother story. Yeah. But, but that, yeah, I, I, was, I think yeah. no, I think the issue really is it's not that you're getting guys into the lineup. It's where you're putting them in the lineup. And that's been a consistent issue with Brad Ausmus over the years where – and, and really, Jim Leland before him, where it seems as though the lineup is almost randomly created when guys go into it. He goes, oh, well, uh, let's see. Andrew Womine's got to play today. we got to sit Mabin. Let's just pick a number. No, he, he's not picking a number. He's saying Mabin's been batting second, so I don't want to screw up anyone else, so I'm just going to put him in. That's what he's saying. It's not even random. Mabin's been batting second. Maybe's out of the lineup. It's fine if that you have mean- to, it's fine if you have to rest, guys. It's not fine when you're doing it in a stupid way that can cost you games. Speaking of stupid, let's talk about let's go back a year. Because there was a huge debate in this town on what the 2015 Tigers were and what they should do moving forward. Oh, yes. last July. And I was arguing with about everybody starting in late June, a month before the deadline. And you can go back on the DSR, the articles. You can go check out Jeff Moss DSR. Nobody was calling for the Tigers to have a fire sale earlier than me. The Tigers were still like a game out of the wild card 
in early July, and I was saying this team's going nowhere. You've got too many free agents that are pending to put all your all your marbles or whatever you want all to your eggs, eggs in oh, one eggs basket, basket. Yes, and and try to get that wild card berth. I'd love to see where you're going. With I don't that know where I'm thing. going. I, I, yeah. I think I'm you've lost shaking, yours. I'm still shaking my head about the Drummond argument, but. <laughs> But okay, so that's the aneurysm starting to take hold. People were actually saying, yeah, probably <laughs> play for a one-game play-in because that was basically the only thing that they could they could they could do, and keep David Price, keep Joaquin Soria, keep Jonas Cespedes. And my point was, I don't care what happens in the next month. This is a, it'd be a mirage if they get better. Playing for the wild card play in now, where it's a game play in instead of just, you know, you're just in and you're playing like you're just a division winner. With the situation of this roster, it was absolutely idiotic to consider anything but a fire sale. Yeah, it, it, a playoff, a wild card playoff berth would have been fool's gold. Exactly. And for the, for the health of this franchise, what happened last July 31st and 30th had to occur. It would have almost had to occur if you were in first place. Uh, I oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, right. No, I'm going to explain, explain why. It. I'm going to explain, explain why. Explain it. Because this team was heading towards the fate of the Philadelphia Phillies. No young players, except for, you know, you could just you, maybe Castellanos, a couple other guys, but all the other guys were big money contracts Verlander, Cabrera, making $25, 30000000 million a year. V-Mart, all this money tied in. The farm system was not only the worst in baseball, it was the worst in baseball by far. They had nobody coming up. That's why they couldn't even trade if they wanted to buy. Was like Derek Derek Hill. Hill, I was going to say, was Derek Hill their number one prospect? Derek Hill and Steven Moya. Oh, Jesus. Were their top prospects. Tyler Collins was up there too, wasn't he? Yeah, that's how bad the system was. It was completely depleted. Nothing coming up whatsoever. So even if the team was battling for first place, a you, change you needed to happen this, at this some point. This had to happen. You had to get younger players. That is why I was ecstatic that the team tanked and Mike Illich really didn't have a choice when because I was like I said I'm saying this in late June. By July, end of July, it was clear that you had to. Not to a lot of people not, in the sports no, talk not, radio. Not to Scott time. Andersons and the Tom Mazoys of the world who were mad that they were selling uh, when they did. Where would this team be today without Michael Fulmer, who they got in the Cespedes trade, who arguably is their best starting pitcher? A guy who the New York Mets, by the way, valued just as much, if not more, than Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler's one of the top right. prospects it, in it, baseball. That, that trade went down to the deadline, to the to the wire, um, and they finally blinked and gave us Fulmer. And we've seen what he's been able to do in his rookie season. He's probably the favorite right now for I the mean, rookie I, of the year. I, I've been able to talk to a couple of New York Mets beat writers. They really valued Fulmer. It's it's not no, just well, something they, it's not just Detroit spin. The New York Mets were not thrilled about giving him up. They didn't want to give him up. They realized that their chances at winning were more hinged on the offense than the pitching at that point, and so they were willing to make the trade, but it was 
for Detroit, it's already looks like a great trade. Right. Then you have you you sent Price. You got uh, Boyd, who's starting tonight, who's been pitching well. Another arm for basically depth in the starting rotation or in the bullpen. I, I, I think he'll ultimately I end think, up in the bullpen. I think he should end up as a situational lefty this year. Uh, agreed. Because I think Daniel Norris, who's been pitching well, who uh, who had surgery for for offseason surgery for uh, his cancer issue, um, probably set him back a little, which I wasn't surprised about at all. But he's now pitched three or four very good games in a row. A guy who's probably going to be a, a a number two, number three, three starter right. for you. So you it, in one off season, not only that they traded for another guy in that Toronto trade. I think it was the Toronto trade, the Mets trade. I can't remember which one. And they turned that player around and got Justin Wilson, mm-hmm. who is, who's been terrible. Yeah, right. <laughs> who's been so? I mean, really, you can make a, a connection that you've got Wilson through that trade. Norris and their best position prospect, Jacoby Jones, is Jacoby Jones, who can play center field, third base, shortstop. The guy is like Ben Zobris Jr. and and a guy who was a little under the radar, just like Fulmer for Pittsburgh. Yes, for Pittsburgh, and uh, more under the radar probably than Fulmer. He wasn't necessarily seen as no. one of Pittsburgh's great up and coming prospects, but he's already proven this year that. He has a legit shot to be a very, very solid player at the major league level. So it, it's hard to look at any of these trades and think of them as anything other than really coups for, for Detroit. And because, a necessity. Because they had to do it. They Not only do they have to, but they are better off for doing it because Soria, Cespedes, guys who were rumored to sign back with Detroit this offseason— Neither of them did, and Price was clearly gone. So right. whatever you got for him was a plus. And there's one other bonus that most people haven't even thought about, okay? By doing what they did and tanking, they ended up with the ninth pick in the upcoming draft, which means when they signed some of these free agents like Zimmerman, because it was top 10, it was protected, and they didn't lose their drafts pick. So... I think the drafts next week, they're going to add another very good prospect with the number nine overall selection. And I th- instead of losing that pick, if they would have finished a couple spots below when they went out and got the free agents that they signed, this team has completely rebuilt their minor leagues and their youth on basically in a 48-hour period of time. And there were people who didn't want this to occur, and this team would be in such a fucking hot mess if they didn't do it. And I think, despite how things ended, some credit has to be given to David Dombrowski. Because, once again, and we've seen it throughout basically the entire time he was in Detroit, he pulled off three deals that were incredibly beneficial to the Tigers. And unequivocally so. They didn't hurt the Tigers whatsoever because anyone with a brain could see that even if they somehow made the wild card spot, they were going to have to sell off what little remained of their farm system in order to do so. And they'd be absolutely screwed this year because, again, 
They wouldn't have Price. They wouldn't have Suspidus. They wouldn't have Soria. Oh, and they, they would also their, they wouldn't have their draft pick. Yeah, they wouldn't have their draft pick. They, they also Fulmer. they wouldn't have Fulmer. They wouldn't have Boyd. They wouldn't have Norris. Jacoby Jones. They wouldn't have Daniel Norris. They would have absolutely nothing. This would be a team, like you said, that would be in the same place as the Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia Maybe worse. people now. Philadelphia is what like two games under five hundred. They're like twenty eight and um, uh, twenty eight and thirty. Philadelphia is 28 and 30, and they're a pleasant surprise. Guess what, folks? That would be Detroit this year. They would be a pleasant surprise because I don't think well, you were going to be without Fulmer. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even know if they would have gone out and tried to get Zimmerman. I don't know if they would have tried to get Upton. I really don't because it wouldn't be a team that would have real well they would have probably because of Illich but what they would if if they didn't do do those things what they should have done is just sell everything in the offseason because that that's that is the critical point this franchise franchise was almost a year ago that if they tried to make one more run that you you really literally would have had to shop almost everyone this offseason for prospects and they didn't have to do that because they took their medicine last July and now the team is in a completely different position. And, the, you know, the people who said that they should buy last year, the people who we mentioned before, these people should be, I mean, th- there's no there's no, there's no, no ramifications in this town you, you mean, for being stupid. So you mean the guy who um, doesn't know what whip is and the guy who thinks that women shouldn't go out and drink and then, you know, have male friends, those two guys, those guys aren't too bright? You don't say, Jeff. Yeah. You don't say. I mean, this should be brought up every. If you. It's probably the worst take. One of the worst takes in the history of Detroit sports. If you thought the Tigers should have bought at the deadline last year instead of sold. And again, like I said, you have to give Dombrowski credit because selling was probably one of the things that ended up getting out the door. Well, he was gone anyway. I, you know, I don't have the sources you do, but he was gone. He was leaving because he was a free agent. Sure, he and Illich wasn't going to pay him. No, and I think the and supposedly but, but at the, least at the very least, Dombrowski did the right thing, right. and that's something you have to give him credit for. And for all the issues you and I both had with a lot of the things that he would do, the tr- you cannot take away the fact that he did the right thing going out the door, and he made three more fantastic trades. Okay, so he did make. And I think Avila gets a lot of credit for the Mets trade, supposedly from a few. But yeah, he did the right thing, and it wasn't some. It wasn't martyrdom either for him. He knew he was going to land at a great job, either Toronto or Boston or wherever, making way more money than Mike Ilch was ever going to pay him. But he did do the right thing. Now he did make some bad trades in the last couple of years. Um, you know, he had such a streak at one point where basically every trade he made turned out. Uh, to work out perfectly for the like, Tigers. Hilariously. Yeah, and we're going to get into that in so. a second because I got a list. But the last couple of years, the Fister trade, where he traded, you know, Doug for Robbie Ray and Ian Kroll. Although that might have been a money thing more so right. than a we don't know about that, trade the, thing. But the Simon trade for Eugenio Suarez was terrible. Suarez, who's got 13 homers this year, Ghost, as a shortstop. Right. Ghost, Anthony Ghost for, for Travis, which. Only because Travis can't stay healthy has that not been a absolute third trimester abortion of a deal. Because, like I just said a minute ago, Ghost is now the fourth outfielder slash DH in Toledo with basically no future here. Other than, like I said, he should be here just running the bases 
and pinch and pinch running for maybe V Mart. Like, what's the problem of Jared Dysoning him? Yeah, really. That, what's right. the harm in that? Well, I, I think I don't. Well, they want Avilas and Romine and the. Extra oh pitcher, yes, of but, course, of course. Okay, but so those were some. Ba- he made some bad trades, but in the last couple of years, Dombrowski, in my opinion, made one of the greatest trades in the history of Detroit sports, and I think it kind of goes under the radar a little. Ian Kinsler for Prince Fielder. And cash. Right. Well, yeah, we had to give him $30 million over five years, I think. Eh. Which, which okay, uh, who gives a shit? That's a, I mean, couple of, that's a couple of hot and ready. Yeah, exactly. So nobody cares about that. But the fact that not that, not, I mean, if they just, if you just would have told me after the playoff series where Prince Fielder uh, said, I have to, I'm just going to go home with my kids. This doesn't bother me. He went about, what, one for 27 or something or whatever it was. And the belly players, flopped. Right, yeah, just made an literally, embar- yeah. literally belly flopped on the biggest stage. Made an embarrassment of himself, and then just acted like he didn't care. If you'd have told me that they could have just got his rid of his contract for absolutely nothing, I would have been happy. The fact that they got Ian Kinsler, who's one of the best second basemen in all of baseball, offensively and defensively, has been absolutely incredible in the last couple of years since he got here. Not only has that happened. But Prince Field, can you imagine they didn't trade Prince Fielder? And the next season, I mean, now they're stuck with Prince, V-Mart, and Miggy. Miggy's got to play third. I mean, the defense is so horrible that you talk about avoiding an absolute uh, bullet like they did last year when they had to make the trades. If they would have kept Fielder, and Fielder the next season gets hurt with his neck, right? Has surgery, misses the year. Could you have Prince Fielder's stats up here? Oh, Can you get Prince yeah, Fielder's that, stats me, up just, me just this year? What he's doing. You might want to, you know, keep talking because dead well, radio. Not, not. No, a big, I know. Uh, that's not fine. a big fan. I'm, I'm a fan of Prince, dead Prince Fielder this year. Woo, he is lighting it up, baby. Fifty-four games played, two hundred and two at bats, which is a decent sample size. He is. Uh, he is really lighting it up. Three homers, <laughs> um, nineteen walks, forty strikeouts, and here's where things get fun. One ninety-three average, two sixty-one OBP, a scintillating 292 slugging combine that all up for a 553 OPS which is pretty good but not so great when you put it next to Ian Kinsler's 886 yeah Prince Fielder's slugging percentage is literally right now lower than his weight seriously no I actually think you're right I'm doing 25 or 30 points I think you might be correct what a disaster it's unbelievable that Dombrowski was able to get away with trading Fielder. And he got an all-star, basically, in Kinsler back. A guy who puts up a five-war, it seems like, every year now. And he's on his way to doing it again. And well, he put up a five. He put up a six last right, year. Right. But I'm saying average, yeah. Uh, that's five what I'm saying. Six. The year before, yep. year before with Detroit, five and a half. Yeah. Un- he's not even a five-war player. He's almost a six-war player. And one more thing before I get to the list, because I want to I ask you where yeah. you think we should rank this as the greatest Detroit sports trades of all time. If Prince Fielder doesn't get traded, and we're stuck with him, with that contract for who, I mean, his contract makes Jonathan Erickson and Cronwall and Zetterberg's deals look like absolute bargains. And his performance, missing a year, having a two ninety two slugging, he would have gone down as the most hated athlete in Detroit sports history. He is so lucky that Dombrowski was able to deal him because he would have been unmercifully booed. It would have been ugly. Those numbers, that contract, 
It would have been it would have been terrible. By the way, Ian Kinsler has eleven home runs this year. That's eight more than Prince Fielder, and a whole twenty five more at bats. Boy, boy, that's tough. By the way, I, I want to read a tweet from you to you. Sure, from a, our friend Tony Paul. Uh, actually, no, our enemy. I'm sorry, we don't like him at all. Tony Paul. Uh, this was nine fifty two a.m. May thirteenth of two thousand and sixteen. So less than a month ago, right? I'm going to quote Tony. Rob Parker on Detroit Sports 105.1 right now, continuing to spew the nonsense that the Tigers miss Prince Fielder. Uh, sorry, what date was this again? May 13th, 2016. Uh, Rob I'm Parker. Sorry, as in 2016? Yeah. Uh, this year, 2016? The year of our Lord, 2016. Well, not, not your Lord. Three but. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, three weeks ago. Wow. Rob Parker was on Detroit Sports 105.1. Saying that the Tigers' main one of the Tigers' main problem was they missed Prince Fielder. He wrote this in fourteen. I have it right here. Face it, the Tigers missed Prince Fielder's bat. He wrote again in two thousand fifteen that the Tigers were that they made a mistake by trading him. And just last month, three weeks ago, he was state. I'm talking about one of the best Detroit sports trades of all time, and this idiot is stating that the team misses a DH only slob with a two ninety two slugging percentage. Well, let's not even forget. Well, he he wasn't a DH only in Detroit. Let's not forget what that did to the defense. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Miggy at Miggy at third. You guys remember that? That was fun. Prince at first. That was a lot of fun. No, no, that wasn't the year. That was they that was because the first v, year. no Vmart was hurt, so they were splitting first base DH duties. Vmart they signed yeah they signed only signed Prince Fielder because Vmart was out for the year. So yeah, the two of them. But he was Miggy, playing this first. Miggy year. didn't play third base. No, Castellanos did. Trust no, me, the look first it up. year they. No, he didn't. What? Don't argue with me. Okay, I'm. I. They split. Okay. All right. Prince okay. DH. Okay. Okay. I'll, Prince filled in for Vima. You you Trust you love me. the Tigers more than me, but yeah. I. You're wrong. Maybe maybe the image of Prince Fielder bobbling and letting balls through, all over the place is just seared into my brain. That's all I can remember from his tenure well, here. Well, he played first base some, but he was he the, was the worst first baseman I've ever seen. Though I've I've never seen a worse defensive first baseman, and you just look at the, what that did to the defense, bringing Kinsler in, putting Miggy at first full time. It's night and day. the The defense is an, was an issue for so long. The defense isn't the greatest, but it's not what it used to be in terms of a gigantic hole. And you look at Kinsler again this year; his WAR is almost at three again. He's on pace. For another great season. I don't understand where Rob Parker's coming from. I don't understand where anyone who would not rank this as one of the best Detroit sports so let's, trades let's, ever let's rank would be let's coming from. It. So a couple years ago, actually now it's probably about seven or eight years ago, uh, Stoney, Stoney and Art Regner wrote a book of Detroit sports lists. and Didn't you have a little list in that, Jeff? Yeah, I had the list of the best strip clubs in ah. Detroit. And then Stoney and Art had a problem uh, filling their filling the book up, so I ended up writing about, I don't know, 12 or 15 of the lists up. I forget how many, maybe 10 or 15, whatever. One of the lists that I, that I was in charge of doing, uh, ghostwriting, was the 10, or excuse me, the 15 best Detroit sports trades of all time. So that was going back, I think, seven or eight years ago. I had number one at that point. This is, I think, this is before the Miggy. It was right around when they traded for Miggy, so it was kind of too hard to judge. Although we knew what that was going to end up being. 
Bobby Lane, Lions quarterback for Bob Mann, we had ranked as number one. Now, I would at this point rank Miggy for Mabin, uh, Miller, and Gorky Park Hernandez ahead of that. So I'd have that in one. Bobby Lane from um, Mann, two. Norm Cash, who was a great uh, player for the Tigers in the 60s, won the 1961 batting title. For Steve Demeter, I had third. I had a tie for fourth basically now. this I've re- redone the list. The trade where they got Willie Hernandez and Dave Bergman for Glenn Wel- uh, Wilson and John Wa- Johnny Walkenfuss, which led to the 84 World Series. I had that tie with Rasheed Wallace for Rebracha, Atkins, Sura, and uh, current 105.1 host Lindsey Hunter. Uh, the next trade I put in there was Doug Fister for Garbage Prospects. Uh, that's number six. Lambert for Paul McKeskey, I had number seven. Getting rid of Denny McLean for Joe Coleman, Aurelio Rodriguez, and Ed Brinkman is my next trade. Carlos Guillen for Ramon Santiago and the other Juan Gonzalez, ninth, tenth. Polanco for Ugi Urbina, who then went to... Uh, a, had a little machete incident yeah, exactly. back in his hometown. Yeah, and ended up in prison. I had that as tenth. Uh, ben, you know, it doesn't matter where you go. If for some reason, they always frown upon it when you douse your workers in gasoline and then uh, hack them to, with a machete. Yeah, it's crazy. You, you can't, can't, even you can't do, do anything in you this country You can't even anymore. do that in a third world country no. when you're a famous relief pitcher in Major League Baseball. <laughs> I then had uh, Ben Wallace for Grand Hill, which nobody thought was going to be a great trade at the time. But if you look in retrospect, there's uh, they traded uh, unequivocally Gimpy Albatross for uh, Ben Wallace, whose number is now retired at the Palace. Brendan Shanahan for Primo and Coffee. I think that's an overrated move, but I have that at twelve. They still, you know, they still acquired Brendan Shanahan, even though they gave up uh, two very good players. And and I know you have your issues with Brendan Shanahan, the Brendan Shanahan love in this town, but he was a great player. It's on the list, but he was they a did great up, player. And, but Primo was a very good player, and Paul Coffey the year before of had like course. seventy some points. Uh, Paul Coffey was a fantastic yeah, player, right. but. Again, it, no, I have it on the list. So Brandon Shanahan, I don't, I just don't think people are telling me it was the best trade of the team in. No, 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 no. Yeah. And I by the 12. way, I, I looked up uh, greatest trades in Detroit sports history uh, on M Live. They have Brandon Shanahan number one. Oh God, number thirteen uh, Rip for Stackhouse. Uh, number fourteen uh, Vinny Johnson the microwave for Greg Kelser, and uh, I, t- I had that a tie with acquiring James Buda Edwards for Ron Moore because those both of those. Were very helpful in the Pistons. Winning. Interesting that you don't have the Mark Aguirre trade on there. That's another one. I mean, because I, I still believe that they would have won with Dantley. So that's the Pistons don't seem to believe that. But Adrian Dantley seems to believe. <laughs> yeah, well, that. I, I wonder why. And then my last one was uh, Chris Draper for a dollar. They traded Chris Draper to Winnipeg, or they traded they acquired him from Winnipeg, and they gave a dollar back. So those were my top fifteen. Where would you put in that fifteen, Ian Kinsler? Well, I, I, gosh, I have my issues with, you know, certain places that you're putting trades up. For example, putting the Rashid Wallace trade on par with, uh, well, who else was it? I put it on par, well, you weren't alive, but the Tigers in 84, they got Willie Hernandez, who yes. won the Cy Young and MVP that year. True. Now, it probably wasn't, they probably shouldn't in retrospect because now what we know with advanced metrics. Yeah. It, but for, for but, me, but, but, for me, me I would put Rashid and, Wallace over that because the Pistons simply don't win a title without him. So Well, I don't think the Tigers win a World Series without Hernandez, uh, who was perfect with yeah. saves that. And Dave Berman, That's a fair argument. And Dave Berman was actually a pretty good contributor. Regardless, to you can you can you could swap those, you can swap but, guys yeah. around, but gosh, you know, I I'm telling you, I'd what, have a hard time. Uh, let me tell you where I put it. I'd, I yeah, yeah, I'd I'll like to hear where you, you put it cuz I I think I put agree. it third. 
Wow. I would put it ahead of everything is ever trading for Bobby Lane and the Miggy trade. N- Norm Cash for Steve Demeter is what I had third, and then the Rashid trade. Because, okay, mm. the Tigers were so would have been so... Not only would they have been fucked with Fielder's deal, they got back a guy who, as you said, puts up a six-war. If you just look at... Forget the ramifications if they win a title. Sure, or not. a six a six war is right. an MVP level. Oh well, war. not these days because of trout. But yeah, he's putting up unbelievable numbers. For Traditionally a guy who's garbage. Speaking. Traditionally speaking, I would rate that. Only, I would seriously. It to me, it's like the third best trade in Detroit sports history. I don't know if I can agree with that because it hasn't brought them a. It hasn't brought the Tigers a title, and I know that's sort of a. I know, I know, it's baseball. It's not the same thing, but. For me, I would put it – gosh, I'd have to put it on the same level as as the Grant Hill-Ben Wallace trade. So because say what you will that's about – That's 11. That's 11. Okay. Well, you wouldn't put it ahead of Polanco for Urbina. Well, I, I would say that the Grant Hill for Ben Wallace thing was better than Polanco for Urbina. But regardless, right. I, also, I also completely disagree with putting the Fister trade anywhere near your top 10, but whatever. He's a guy who only pitched here for two yeah, years. Yeah, that's true. Come on. But I'm talking about for absolute pure rip For me, they got Fister for absolutely nothing. And they did get to World Series and they did get the ALCS. Sure, sure. I mean. But for me, I have, I to, think you're, I have only, to put it I have to put it around that like 9, 10, 11 range for me. I think, what our, difference is, is, I think what our difference is in ra- rationale is I think I'm viewing it more on just the simple trade. And you're probably saying what were the en- eventual championship ramifications? Well, I would also point out that for all the struggles Prince Fielder had, you know, 2014, he was basically out for the whole year. This year, he's playing like absolute shit. Last year, he was an all star. He did hit 305. He did have an 841 OPS. He hit 23 homers. He was a very valuable player. So it's not like for one you, out of three years. Well, sure, but he got injured for one, and this I season's understand. not over. It's 54 games in. We still got a hell of a lot of baseball to play. So if I'm going to rank it, I have a hard time. I have a hard time putting it. Uh, I, I would say I'd put it right above the Grant. I'd put it at number ten. Okay, right above the Grant Hill, Ben Wallace trade because in both trades, both teams gave up a guy who ended up being very very good. I know Prince Fielder's been crap for two of the three, but he was very very good last year. He was decent last year. He was good last year. What was good. his war? Uh, his war was at. Well, give me just one second. Yeah, look that up because I'm guessing it's probably under one for a, for a D two two okay two, which is, is that is that ESPN war? Uh, that is Baseball okay. Reference. All right. So he's still, a, he's still uh, a solid player. He's a guy who can contribute to your team, and that's a lot of what Grant Hill did. It's almost identical well, the, the situations where Grant yeah. Hill. Had injury issues. We've already seen injury issues with Prince Fielder. When he's healthy, he's a, still a quality player. He's not what he used to be. But when you take in consideration, and you got a player who's far better, yeah, I and mean, the contract. I, to me, that's it's one of the also. Best I have to Detroit also. I, I know it doesn't matter to us, but the fact that you did give thirty million dollars to Texas, I think you have to put that in there. I think oh, you have to consider that as, as part I of the trade it, because for the because you just said Chris Draper for a dollar. So no, I listen. Okay, all right. You had your your say. Maybe we'll turn that out to the uh, DSR people. Yeah, see where they would. I'd be interested in what people say. All right, we're gonna take one last quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll uh, finish up the show. This is a previously recorded episode. All right, 
trap. No, I want to admit that I was wrong before you attacked me. No, okay, you're lying. You can. I know. No, we know. We know. I was wrong. I was wrong. I know you were wrong. I knew you were wrong the whole time. You're right. You're right. All right, I'm going to issue a correction on behalf of Jeff the dumbass moss idiot. Ah, aren't you the guy who says the Tigers are your favorite team? I'm also almost 44 years old. So how? So how the hell am? So great. We're supposed to listen to what you have to say on the Pistons, which you can't. You barely even pay attention to. When the Tigers, who you watch nearly every game, go. I was completely correct. Prince Fielder played at first base in 2012. Miguel Cabrera played 154 games at third. Jeff, you're a gigantic dumbass. Please explain why. Yeah, I I don't know why I thought it. Maybe just because it was a simple Victor went down, and and I'm like I said, and when you get to my age, when you get to my age, you'll start forgetting things. But, yeah, clearly, Miggy played third. That was the year that Inge, I think, cried yeah. to uh, that was, Ernie that was it. of it. That was it. I, I, how I forgot that, I have no idea. I apologize profusely to the audience. I always had it in my mind that uh, I'm they sorry, signed. you apologize. I apologize to you, too. Thank you. The, the person who got here at 501. Uh, <laughs> I, I apologize. At least I was right. Yeah, because I did all the show prep and had my mind cluttered with other maybe you things. Should, maybe you should have prepped about the 2012 Detroit Tigers. You know, Tigers. if you could be here on time, maybe Jeff could be a little more accurate because yeah. he wouldn't have to yeah. do anything on exactly. everything that's on a good. Own. That's a great point. Load the break. Get the break songs to Jessica. Figure out the topics. Uh-huh. And obviously, I had a brain fr- I was completely 100% wrong. Yep. Delvin Young was the DH that year. By the way, how embarrassing was it that the Tigers had to be choose between Prince Fielder and Delman Young's defense in the field? Ugh. I know, really, if you think about it in retrospect, why didn't they just DH? I guess because Fielder, now I think he didn't want to He DH. didn't want to. He said he wouldn't. Yeah, he, didn't, he wouldn't do it. And uh, that was, you're right, that was wrong. 100% wrong. Okay. No caveat whatsoever. We have more important things to yeah. get to, though, than me being absolutely correct about everything and you being a dunce. Shout out Jimmy Petro. Uh, Shout out Michael Wilbon. Completely, completely stupid. So the other day, um, we all know that Muhammad Ali passed away. And people were sending tributes all over the world. Um, I, I had a, I tweeted out a little game I like to play of uh, look at all the people on your timeline on Facebook or Twitter who are saying R.I.P. Muhammad Ali and then look at their political views and realize that about 70% of them would have called him a traitor back in <laughs> 1967. Would have, would have been like, yeah, don't, forget throwing him in jail, throw him out of the country. But – Continue, Jeff. Well, one of those people who would have probably been in line to throw him out of the country. Probably would have been in line to throw him out of the country five days ago when he was still alive. Would have been one Bill Simonson, who hosts in Grand Rapids a radio program that I think nobody listens to, and then statewide, uh, even less people listen to it. Uh, He's got some Ponzi pyramid scheme with advertisers up there that seem not to care about the... Can we get in on that? The actual, yeah, we need to figure out a pyramid scheme to uh, to uh, make money, make money, which yeah. he's definitely figured out with nobody listening. I think we, you know, we actually have people listening. But this is what he had to say. I'm just going to um, the great. You are, you are so good well, at this radio stuff, I'm man. Absolutely, I'm absolutely thrilled. I was going to get this in the break, and then you looked up the fact that Prince played. First base and Miggy played third base. Yeah, 
uh, during the 2012 season. Great. And I, yeah, stop, stop, don't stop scrolling when you're talking to me, Jeff. This I'm is sorry. how these things I, work. I found it. I you found got it? it? Okay. This is Simon's you, tweet from June 4th, uh, the day after Muhammad Ali passed away. Ali's refusal to fight for America will always bother me. Will always bother me. His fight through the civil rights era earned my respect, which you can't say what? those two things. Because Ali's refusal to fight for America was a civil his was basically his whole entire civil right legacy. I don't remember Muhammad Ali being around in 1955, do you? Ali's refusal to fight for America will always bother me. His fight through the civil rights era earned my respect. It's a complete non sequitur. I mean, you can't say those two things in the same sentence. You dummy. It's redundant. It's re- uh, not redundant. Not redundant. It's, 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 a, con- it's, a, it's a sorry. It's an oxymoron. Jumbo shrimp. Yes, is jumbo what that shrimp. Is. And that, it's almost an oxymoronic statement. It, it it's absolutely idiotic. And I'm not going to go on my whole rant that I went on Schuling Show. If you want to hear what I had to say about uh, how African American people were treated in the '60s, and why one black man, they every black person in America should have stood up and said, "I'm not going to fight this fucking war for you." When you're suppressing my right to vote, when you're when I can't go into the same bathroom in the South as you, uh, when I have taxation without representation because the Civil Rights Act of nineteen what sixty four hadn't been passed yet, why any black person wouldn't? Have, I, Muhammad Ali did. Wait, what? What are you talking about? What? 1967 was when Muhammad Ali refused to. No, no, I I agree. I'm, okay. No, I'm saying, but all, the, but I'm saying the history of the 60s. Yes. Uh, how black people were oh, treated. Oh, sure. Yeah. In I the mean, 60s. yeah. You're saying no, no, up, I'm up not... until three years earlier, right? They weren't even. God, you could say they weren't even full citizens. Really. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, because like I said, because they because weren't was, allowed to vote. Right, Grandfather laws and all yeah, that stuff. Exactly. Muhammad Ali famously told the story that he was called the N word so many times that he threw his Olympic gold medal from 1960 into the Ohio River. Now, whether that story was true or not, the fact that he repeated it many times just shows the mindset. And so to call to say that you don't, you, you'll never get over the fact that he did that, and by the way, but I, he made up for it in his civil rights, makes no sense. So I called Simonson out on Twitter. Now he blocks me. But obviously he follows me from some other account because within minutes of me calling him out, he posted this on Facebook. I don't know if you've read this yet. I have not. Just so the sniper trolls on social networks have the true story about my military background. Oh, oh now, great. Okay. this is because I was – I don't know how much I want to get into this. But when I was writing the Simonson story about him pissing in a um, Remington Park sink – uh, when he was drunk and got arrested for public intoxication, and supposedly the cop ran out of tickets to to or um, arrests, he didn't. He ran out of tickets to write up what what, what Simonson was doing. Um, all of the things about his background. There was some question about what happened with Simonson when he supposedly served. So I brought that up. Uh, you know, why don't you release all of your records so we can see what you did when you supposedly served your country, Bill Simonson? So that's that was what elicited this response. So number one, never dodged a draft or was an objector to entering the military during any wartime. Number he two, even have been able to? I, I don't even think we had a draft. No, 
He never I mean, dodged. He was, uh, no, he never dodged no. a draft that he couldn't have ever dodged. Yeah. Uh, number two, joined the Air Force during peacetime in our country at the age of 17 between my junior and senior years in high school. Entered via a guaranteed job program with the Air Force to be part of the Armed Forces Network. Completed basic training and then found out the radio TV field was full. I was given a choice of other fields to enter with a choice to opt out if I didn't like it. I tried special ops security force and realized at 17 that it wasn't for me. I was honorably discharged per my entry agreement and returned to Sparta High School in time for my senior year. It was during that short time in the military that I developed a profound respect for those who serve and serve our country today. What I do privately and publicly for our military speaks for itself. And then he goes on and on about other crap. This warrior... Basic training, huh? He went through basic training Ooh. and then found out, allegedly... I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't mock basic training because that's a lot. Well, you, you, that's and I a would lot. Get through it. I was gonna say that's a lot harder than anything I could even yeah. possibly do at this point. So yeah. I, I, I actually take that yeah. back. I shouldn't say that. But okay. to brag about going through basic training and then being honorably discharged because the radio and TV field was full. I don't even really know what that. Uh, means, and this but. story doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm gonna do a Freedom of Information Act. Regardless, on his military record. Might, look, he, he could be telling the complete truth, but regardless. That would be a first. He never served in the armed forces. He completed basic training. That's not serving. He never went anywhere. He never did anything. He went through training. So for a guy who never went into the military, really, to start passing judgment on a man, Muhammad Ali, who was a hundred times braver and more courageous than he could ever be, or you and I could ever be, for that matter, is asinine. And this Absolutely. Is not, and this isn't reserved to Bill Simonson. Pat Caputo was spewing this stuff about dodging the draft. Once again, the that, that is nothing. Yeah. Dodging the draft is what George W. Bush did. What Muhammad Ali did was not dodging the draft. He didn't go because he was scared. He didn't. I'm sorry. He didn't refuse to go because he was scared. He refused to go because he was a black man who had been beaten down in this country t- hundreds of times, who had been treated like crap even though he was famous, more so than any of the people who treated him like crap, who was religiously inclined to conscientiously object, just like many others of the Nation of Islam did, if not all members of the Nation of Islam. There's, There is – if you're going to come after Muhammad Ali – you cannot do it based on that because what Muhammad Ali did was brave, and he did it based on his convictions and his beliefs. Two things. Not okay. his fears. Two things. One, he was drafted like when he was 25 when no other 25-year-olds were getting the, – the U.S. government wanted him to shut up, and they wanted to send him to do USO shows in the uh, the jungles of Asia. Sure. He wasn't going to be on the front line. No. Can you imagine? Can you <laughs> imagine Muhammad, that Muhammad Ali. Ali got killed by a, the, <laughs> by a Vietnamese uh, soldier? Can you imagine? I mean, the war was already as unpopular as hell. The heavyweight champion of the world uh, gets killed oh, that. fighting. I mean, just imagine. He was going over. He would have been going over there to do to probably sign autographs. Sure. He wasn't going over there to fight. But he'd be supporting the war. Right. I agree. More so, so like, than uh, He wasn't than most others. As I said yesterday on Schuling's show, a man in his position, like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, RFK, JFK, he was in more danger in this freaking country during the 60s than over there, signing autographs 
and maybe singing a few songs. Because I don't know if you know this, but he was in a Broadway musical. Oh, I, was about, I was about to call you a racist. Okay. No, no. He was in a Broadway musical. I didn't know that. When he was in the three and a half year sabbatical, uh, when he couldn't fight because the government basically you know, wouldn't let him because he was a draft dodger, he did a musical. He, he was on the Ed Sullivan show singing. So, no, no, no. Uh, the, the whole thing is it's just absolutely preposterous. As I said, once last thing I said on the Shuling Show, I'll repeat. It would be like today. Benjamin Netanyahu declaring war on Sweden and telling the Palestinians, you've got to get on the front line. We're going to Stockholm. Uh, you live here. Come here. <laughs> you're, you, you're in Israel. Yeah, you got to do it. Here. So uh, you're going to fight the Swedish. That is basically the equivalent today. And it, pack your bags. What do you think the Palestinians would say? Uh, fuck you. <laughs> and that's what Muhammad Ali was saying to the U.S. government. And his famous quote, you know, the Viet Cong never called me an N- the N-word. To me, like I said yesterday, it's his most famous quote. And that was his most courageous stand. And for this and Bill was, Simonson. And, and I think most importantly, he was right. Right. So, sorry, Bill Simonson. Sorry, Pat Caputo, you meatheads. He was right. He was right. Even if the war, but it, uh, even if the war wasn't, even if the war was worth fighting, forget the fact that it was a colossal nightmare. He was. He he still would have been right in objecting, because in my opinion, the way black people were treated. I mean, up until this day, I mean, do we do we even need to watch videotapes of people being shot in the street? I mean, in the 60s, it was a different situation than it was now. And the DSR, the Detroit S- Social Justice right. Podcast. <laughs> well, I just, I, like I just that. think it's just, I just think it's absolutely uh, and and awful. I I agree with you, Jeff. There's and, and you know what, uh, it's poor poor us that the armed sir, the armed forces network was all booked because maybe we never would have heard of Bill Simonson. You said it, not me. If he would have, you know, maybe he'd be on. Uh, Good morning, Vietnam, or whatever. I don't know what, what, what they'd even be doing, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Okay, that's about it for tonight's show. We got to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, Jessica. Thanks, Jasper, for getting here while the intro song was playing. <laughs> Hope maybe next week, maybe 440. I mean, can we try for 440? Eh, Please. We'll see. Maybe if you pick me up again. Good night, everyone. He just wants to get drunk. <laughs> no, that's not happening. This is a previously recorded episode.